Comics Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan. And DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 457. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hello, Noah. Coming up on this week's episode of the show, we're going to review this here, XPS 13, the KB Lake i7 processor, a big old SSD, and this nice Infinity Edge 4K screen. I've been running Ubuntu Unity on this thing. I've been running the Plasma desktop on this thing. And I'm going to give you my full take on this as a Linux laptop for getting your work done. I, I, I'm coming at this, too, with an interesting perspective, because in the family, we have the first-generation Sputnik, and I personally own the fourth-generation, and this is the sixth-generation. So I'm going to give you a review looking at previous models, where this one's improved upon, and how it stacks up. So a lot of stuff to jump into, just with the laptop alone. So we're going to do that in just a moment. And then after that, we'll get into some of the week's news. There was some stuff that we punted from last week to this week's episode that we definitely want to cover now. We got some great feedback, and we've got the picks at the end of the show. So, Noah, are you in the are you in the zone? Are you ready? I, I am. I'm really excited about it. I hope this is the second week that we have done this little switch up, and we're moving things around a little bit. And so we've already gotten some feedback in, and we're hoping to get a lot more. So yep. if you like the way that we're doing this new show, if this is easier to follow, if you get to the points quicker and you like it, make sure to start a thread at Reddit or use the contact form and let us know because mm -hmm. we are continuing to try this. We'll try it for one more week, and we'll see how it goes, and then we'll make our final decision of yeah. how the road goes from there. Absolutely. I, I'm also I've been looking forward to this review because we just recently did the budget conscious reviews, a laptop and a desktop. Yeah. And so now uh, this isn't like a super crazy expensive computer, but it's it's a brand new machine that you can spec out quite quite to mm -hmm. the high end. And we'll get to that. So it's it's going to be it's interesting to go from that episode now to this episode. So we're kind of covering the full spectrum. So before we jump into the complete review, I want to thank Linux Academy for making this segment possible. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged to support this show and sign up for a free seven day trial. This is a platform with tons of content around Linux and the services and systems around that. And they're always launching new stuff to make your membership even more valuable. They just recently announced a big partnership with Chef. Look at this, Noah. I got two different – look, at. I even printed it because these things, they're, they're just really nice newsletters. They sent two different things in one week came into my, came into my inbox. Uh, this first one was deploying microservices with puppets, with puppet and mm -hmm. containers. I thought, okay, that's interesting. And the second one, though, Google Cloud Platform for the AWS user. And then this comes in, and then it's, an impart it's a partnership announcement between Linux Academy and Chef which is so nice. awesome. Chef is going to provide high-quality, in-depth training to those interested in becoming a certified chef developer. So you can go to linuxacademy.com slash chef training to learn more about that. Or follow their Twitter. Like I have their Twitter feed up right here talking about the Google Cloud platform stuff. They're just rolling out stuff all the time. They're taking their success and they're reinvesting into their business and making more content. They have human instructors when you need help. It's a great place to learn more Linux. And we get emails all the time from people saying they're signed mm -hmm. up for Linux Academy and they're learning more. It's, it's really cool to hear that too. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there to support the show and sign up. You can get a free seven-day trial. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. All right. So now we'll take you into the journey of my XPS 13 review, which I filmed uh, just last night. Hi guys, it's me Dylan here, and today I'm back and I'm with my dad. Who? 
We're talking about the latest and greatest Dell XPS 13 and the original Dell XPS 13. Yep, I have stickers on it. So the old Sputnik is back for a new round. This one with Kaby Lake has an i7 processor, 512 gigabyte SSD, 4K screen, and it's thin and light. So this is their sixth attempt at this, and uh, it's a little bit different than things in the past. It's got USB-C ports as well as regular USB 3 ports and an SD card reader. But that's probably not what you care about. Out of the box you get Ubuntu. This one comes with 16.04 and it's pretty polished. From the first time user guide to the actually pretty nice video that if this was the first Linux computer I ever bought would kind of get me amped up about using a Linux computer. So hats off to Dell for a really good video. We're gonna we're gonna do a head-to-head -head comparison to see how far Dell's come over like the last four years or so. Yeah. They've had six versions of these things and this is the first one. Dylan's had it for two years. Yeah. And so he is our resident expert on the original Sputnik. Dylan, do you love your laptop? Do you hate your laptop? I love it. Yeah? What do you think, what are your first impressions of this guy? What seems different about it? That it's touch screen. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that screen? It's very nice and it's, and it's very flat. Yeah, it's a lot thinner. Yeah, it's a lot thinner and the keyboard looks better, the design. Let's talk about battery life. It's hard to get good numbers with real usage battery life on a brand new laptop because it's a brand new battery. But for the most part, you're gonna get your standard six to seven hours, I would suspect. So far, I'm in the honeymoon stage with this and I'm getting like eight hours. Uh, right now, let's see, my, my battery is at 69%. And it still says, which this so far, this estimate's been pretty accurate, it says I have six hours and 39 minutes left on this battery. The reason why that impresses me is I haven't had this on the charger since yesterday and we were playing Minecraft on this thing a little bit ago for 15-20 minutes. Dylan just did the TNT test, we've tried it on his old laptop, it's pretty laggy. His laptop is struggling these days with the latest version of Minecraft. How'd this laptop do, Dill? Excellent! Really? And you used as much TNT? Um, What's good about that is this is a way higher resolution screen too, so that's really good. There's no way for me to really know until I've gotten a bunch of different use cases over an extended period of time. I plan to keep using it for a while after this review and sort of update some of my notes about the battery life, so stay tuned for more information on that down the road. There are some small nidalies. Um, Windows logo on the keyboard, not my favorite. And under heavy load, there is an occasional noise that it makes. It's not a high-pitched whiny noise, it's a, like a scratching noise. Yeah. There, there's that noise again. I think it's the computer. It's a real slight noise, there's a real slight noise. It <laughs> sounds a little bit like a little bit, of, you wonder if I can hold up the mic, maybe you can hear it. it's super quiet so it, I barely even bother to hear it. Do you think it would bother you if you were playing Minecraft? If no one was talking. Yeah or you didn't have the if you didn't have the volume on? Um well your voice is super loud so when you talk it's it sounds like a hundred birds saying caca like that loud. That's what it sounds like when I talk? No. <laughs> We've got to talk about the hallmark feature of this laptop. This screen, this bezel-less infinity high resolution display. It is gorgeous, and desktop Linux is getting to a point where just about any major 
Well, okay, I won't say that. A lot of the major desktops really support high DPI with either no configuration or minimal configuration. The Arch Wiki has a great tutorial for Plasma desktop users. There's really only just a couple of things you have to change. It's got it all summarized there. Unity users, it's a simple scaling setting, and Dell ships it turned on out of the box. But I would argue that the screen really matters on this laptop, and there's no way for you to fully take it into consideration if you haven't seen it yet when you're thinking about buying this laptop. The edge-to-edge -edge display is very impressive. The touchscreen is handier than you might expect if you're not a current touchscreen user. It becomes a third input device. You have the keyboard, the mouse, and now you also have the touchscreen. It doesn't replace any of those things. It supplements those things. It's actually extremely nice when you have this laptop on your lap, sitting on the couch, next to a loved one or a friend, because they can reach over and interact with the screen in a way that's extremely organic, and basically everybody's picked up from using phones and tablets now anyways. I emphasize that point because it's so small and portable, you'll find yourself taking it with you all the time. And it makes a great laptop on the couch because it's just right there, it's tiny. And for a lot of us, you can fold it up and you can slip it between the couch and it'll just stick in the couch cushions and you can pull it out and flip it up, turns right on and the battery life is fantastic. So it's kind of the ideal couch machine. Do I love the trackpad? It's definitely usable, and my son Dylan, who has the original XPS 13, and myself, who has a Model 2 generations ago, we both noticed improvements. So if you've had trackpad issues in the past, there's a notable improvement in with this. I still have issues from time to time with misinterpreted clicks when I have tap to click on, which works better if you turn off, admittedly. I do like that it's physical buttons. So I, there's a real sensation of clicking. In comparison to the total size of the laptop, the size of the trackpad's pretty generous too. I really only have two cons for this laptop. The first one, it's really outside its control, and you are buying into the future a little bit when you get a high resolution, high DPI screen. The ding I have here is that there is some Linux software that's a little fiddly under high DPI. Less and less of an issue, but it's still an issue and it's something you should know about. It won't be a 100% perfect UI experience across all your applications. All my main applications and my desktop environment look great. So that means the applications I spend 97, 95% of my time in look fantastic. And even if, even if you just use the terminal, the terminal even looks better. My second ding would be the little bit of scratching noise that it makes under load. It's not offensive, and I don't think it would impact my purchasing of the machine because any machine at this size that you put under a lot of load for an extended period of time, you're gonna have some sort of fan noise or something because it's such a small package. The positives, though, seem very clear. It is extremely thin. It is lightweight. The battery life is incredible. It has USB-C, USB-3, an SD card reader. It has a great peripheral ecosystem from Dell. The chargers are small, portable, and they're easy to get extras. The screen looks like an infinity pool at a fancy hotel, and the keyboard is refined and feels good. It lights up nice. It's got a back white lighting, which looks really classy, and they feel good under the finger. There's not, like, weird give on the edges like there are on some small thin laptops. It's all sturdy all around. You combine that as a whole package and, and the fact that it's out of the box hassle-free hardware wise, I think the two cons I found with it are easily outweighed by the positives. Now it's up to you to decide if the price is right and if you want a 13 inch version or maybe, maybe keep waiting and hope that Dell releases an official Sputnik 15 inch version.
kind of thought of you, Noah. I thought this might be the perfect Noah computer, possibly. Mm -hmm. It's a really good size. You get really good performance with the newer i uh, i seven processor. Yeah, um, it seems seems very very close to the perfect computer. The only thing that it's lacking, and I may eventually just end up having to give in on this, is that uh, I really prefer a dock connector, and uh, that's something that the Ultrabooks just are not incorporating anymore. They're I all wonder. Just kind of going I wonder. Computer. You ought to. You ought to try the USB C lifestyle for a little while and see how that works for you. Yeah, no, because uh, it's cause this has got a USB C port on there, which also takes. Yeah. It also will power from. It'll charge the laptop from the USB C port too. So I've got a couple questions, a couple yes, follow-up questions for you. The first is, did you try any 4K video on the laptop itself? I know that was a pain point in the older XPS. I didn't do any large file playback, but I did do some YouTube video, which worked fine. Okay. Um, and my second question is, do you think, so we talked last week, about, or well, two weeks ago, rather. We talked two weeks ago about low-cost Linux and how we can get a usable machine. And we were actually, I think both of us were kind of surprised at how much distance you can get out of spending a couple hundred dollars. So I guess my question to you is, Given the price difference of this high-end Linux machine, mm -hmm. do you think that there is an increase value added at that price point, or or is it is it is it a hockey stick? Is it is it you go and then you go up in price drastically, and yeah, then the very end you get just a little kinda. bit of increase in performance for, so, for a lot more money? Base model is nine hundred and fifty US greenbacks. Mid-tier model is thirteen fifty, and this this guy right here is about. Uh, think it's closer to 1800 fully spec'd out because it's got the 512 gig SSD in it with the 4K screen. You can get it with a 1080. $1,500 more than what I had spent on that yeah. Uh, HP. Yeah. Um, but this also is, it's a different, I think it's a different class of machine. So I think a, you're not considering this unless you have the money to spend. So I think that's the okay. first qualifier. The second okay. thing though is like the thing that this does offer over the 10 year old computer is it's, it's super thin. It's super light. It goes right now while I've been reviewing it, it's going in my laptop bag with my regular laptop, and it's like uh -huh. it's not even it's not even noticeable. It's just so nice to slip it in the bag, and the fact that see I've been I'm still running on battery the entire weekend, and I've still got one two three out of five lights on the side of the uh, little readout thing here. So sure. the battery life is something also that the older computers that are much cheaper can't. Yeah, and then of course the 4K screen, which okay the plasma desktop looks really good at high DPI. So does GNOME. So so if I'm understanding what you're saying, you're saying that if you have the money to spend, there's a lot of really kind of cool tweaks and, and, and upper level polish that you can get. But really there isn't, it, when you actually get into the meat of it, there isn't a big difference between a $400 mm. Core i7. Mm. No, I disagree with that. I just, okay. I don't know if the price to performance ratio is there. I think if you're getting a new computer, I think uh -huh. this is a. I think in terms of value, this is a good one, just simply because now having owned two of the Sputnik models, uh -huh. they they have they are out of all. You know how I go through machines, right? You know how I I churn through machines, and these XPSs are still in the fight. They're still really good machines. So it, I I there are some machines Longevity I buy. There. Yeah, there's some machines I buy where I look back at it after a couple of years and I go, that was a really good purchase. And, and sure. I think these XPSs have qualified every time. And so this is just everything I've liked about them even better. If you, I mean, really, I, I, I don't know how, what, it depends on what's it worth, worth to you to have the, the, the great display, a nice keyboard, probably one of, the, one of the better trackpads under Linux I've experienced. I don't know if it's the best, but it's definitely one of the better. And, mm -hmm. you know, USB-C and some of the other higher end features of the iOS graphics in this one. What's that worth to you? And sure. you have to make that judgment call. I think for me, if I was shopping a new laptop and I wanted an ultra portable that was high performance, 
This mm-hmm. is a really hard one to beat because it's it's just so well built, and it just is a it's just a workhorse. Now that there so, was some machine noise I got, but uh, so far it hasn't it, been it, really bad. I, I think that's fan noise. Is there a fan in that thing at the bottom? Yeah, is it clipping yeah. on a wire or something? Okay. No, and I, then here, I, a lot of people. Uh, it's it's across the line. I think a lot of other people. Oh. I announced that I was going to be reviewing this in my vlog. And I got a lot of people writing and asking, "Do you have any noise with yours?" I had a lot of so I, you know, I so know the it's an elephant, issue. The elephant in the room, I think, probably the question that a lot of people are going to have is, uh, you know, we're seeing the the exodus of 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 Max. People are <clears> jumping <throat> off right and left. We saw that happening yeah. in System Six. Yeah. Obviously, Dell is now seeing that. I've yeah. heard that from my Dell partner or my partner rep. So my question to you is. Having used uh, MacBooks and having used this computer, do you think they're ready for it? If if yeah, if this holds order, up. This really holds up. Like okay. uh, one of the things, are, so it's got. It's hard to really show on camera. Uh, you might be able to see it in some of the close-ups of the review, but it's got this. Uh, it's got this interesting texture on here that's. It feels much higher end than just like your standard plastic. It's so while the inside is almost. It's yeah. It's not metal, so it's not. So it's not like it's an all metal machine. But in some senses, mm-hmm. that texture is actually more comfortable to rest my hands than all metal. Particularly if you have a wristwatch. I yeah. noticed, uh, you know, when I've used the the XPSs, uh, if I have a metal wristwatch on mm-hmm. and I and I sit down, if I'm on aluminum, it, it you know it scrapes. It's yes, like nails definitely. Up. This is not nearly as a sharp of an edge, so you mm-hmm. it doesn't cut into your wrists. So there's mm-hmm. actually there's some aesthetic improvements over the MacBook, I think, with this XPS 13. Also, I don't really think Apple offers anything as competitive as this, especially at the price point. So I think mm-hmm. it's a more competitive item for what you get at the price point. And if you're a system administrator or a web developer or if you're a Linux enthusiast and you want something ultra-portable to do your work on, this is a great work machine. And you think about it in the context of a work computer, I think the question of comparing it to an older machine kind of goes out the window. And this is... This is a slam dunk. I mean, I I think the reality about I think the reality of the Sputnik is that uh, you know this is their sixth attempt, and they've mm-hmm. incorporated a lot of feedback, mm-hmm. and I think it's a sleeper hit. I think this thing this is one of these laptops that's better than people realize, mm-hmm. and once people start figuring it out, it's gonna start it's gonna sell like crazy. Um, Excellent. And it's it's it is in its own right now one of the competitive laptops to compete against. So a lot of times, you know, people are modeling other manufacturers trying to get close. I think mm-hmm. this is a trendsetter. I, I really like it. I, I have gotten feedback that people don't like the noise. I haven't experienced it super bad. And I'm very critical about that. That's really my major ding about it. And it's where is where is the uh, webcam? Is it on the top or on the bottom? They've moved it a little bit. Um, it's on the bottom still. Let me open it up okay. so I can position. It's still kind of weird. Uh, it's over here in the corner above the escape key. Okay. Yeah, oh, in the corner, huh? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Interesting. I I don't know though. I I don't really use that very much. So okay. Because the issue is is right. It's like edge to edge display. So there's nowhere in the top to put it. Well, the 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 thing that is beneficial about having it at the bottom is oftentimes when you're web conferencing, you're looking below the center of the uh, yeah. you know, the center of the screen to try to look at the the person. And so if the webcam is down there, it looks more like you're looking right at their face. I would just and, be worried to be shooting up your be shooting up your nose. You know, Hello. when I was uh, when I was uh, when I was borrowing your XPS, that was one thing that stood yeah. out to me. Is every time I web conference, I was like, "Man, that's a really good place for the." Oh, you liked the, it? I did. I thought it was. I thought it was a huge improvement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is this is and this is a step up over that machine too. I mean, it's a noticeable step up. This is. I really think they're going to have something. Uh, people are going to start finding out about this, and I think they really got a hit. Um, I'd be really curious to see if they did a 15 inch version because that might be the real sweet spot for me. I love that machine, and if I was if I was wealthy enough just to have a couch computer, mm. hands down, no question asked, that's the computer I would have all the time in, at my house. 
Uh, I feel like my kids are comfortable using it. I feel like the lady's comfortable using it. It's really nice. But for me personally, I like dedicated graphics and a 15-inch workspace. And I know that people, was, was going to be my question: Is would you do you think in the 15 inch they should do dedicated graphics? They do. They do have oh, dedicated do. graphics. Okay. Yeah, they okay. have an XPS 15, which is a nice rig. A uh, friend of the show, Wimpy, runs uh, Linux on the XPS 15. Oh, I see. Okay. I would just love to see an official Sputnik edition one sure. day. Yeah. I, I'm I really curious to see what other hardware they're going to work on this year. I, I said in our predictions episode, I thought 2017 would be the year I start taking Dell series on for Linux hardware, and this mm-hmm. is this really. Plays right into it. It really does. I I was really impressed by there's there was essentially nothing about it that disappointed me, and maybe that's because I've come from previous XPSs, so I know exactly what I'm getting. But when mm-hmm. I, I I in this review, I looked at it specifically in the in the perspective of if I'm buying this for work, this is a work computer I want to turn on every single day. This feels like a super reliable machine. The other thing mm-hmm. I, I I can't understate, it's really nice to have little power bricks, and they're cheap enough oh, from God, Dell yeah. that I for my old XPSs. I have I have them everywhere. I have one upstairs. Yeah. I have one downstairs, and I have one at home. And I just get home and I plug in. It's really Dell nice. and Lenovo both have been exceptionally good about, in, at least in their business lines, keeping all of the uh, the the you know the connectors exactly the same. And they yeah. had, and they've used they use them for years. And yep. so once you start buying into that, then you know you yeah, get the, them everywhere. And I've got DC ones too. Dell makes a little DC one for that that you can plug in to like your RV and stuff that I use all the time. Oh, that's super nice. Yeah, I've used yep. that. You've actually, so the uh, this is the power plug for the XPS, and it's got a little white. LED on it that tells you that yeah. it's, it's, it, the, the line has AC, which is really nice when you've got a whole bunch of plugs. Down. I've got so many wires down here, man. It's just a sure. disaster down here. And so to be able to see, I, to be able to find it in the dark and know that it has power is really nice. And I've been using the same plug on my old XPS two mm-hmm. generations ago that I am on mm-hmm. this XPS. So sure. all the accessories, not only does Dell have a great line of accessories, which is kind of nice, but all of my previous ones I can still use. So I, I, really, I really think it's a really fantastic laptop. Um, research the sound issue. There is so that what the way it's worked is there was a first model that Dell put out that had a coil line. Uh, then uh, and Dell has a set of working expectations. They if they feel like if you're in an office space and maybe there's a little bit of ambient noise from like the the, the air system and maybe some chatter like and you can't hear it at all. That's when the system's cooling itself. That's working as expected because this is a small laptop. It's a small cooling system. Mm-hmm. A little bit of noise is working as expected. If mm-hmm. it is distracting and above that threshold, they consider that to be, I think, a problem. And so I think they've done a swap. There's like an A1 and an A2 or A01 and A02 oh, okay. series motherboard. Sure. And on the A02 series motherboard, which I believe this might be, the problem is much better. Uh, because I we, pl- we, pl- we played, although we were not plugged in, which does make it run warmer probably if you're plugged in, but we played unplugged wirelessly for about 20 minutes of Minecraft, maybe a little more actually. And it wasn't until the last five or ten minutes that I ever heard anything. And that was after we had muted the speakers. Mm-hmm. So I could hear it, so I could listen to the machine. So it wasn't sure. too bad, but I would take that into consideration. If you're looking for a workhorse machine, if I was going to bet on a, you know, I've been talking about five-year Linux, setting up a five-year Linux computer. I had the realization a couple of weeks ago, I also need to have bulletproof hardware. Sure. Because my workstation upstairs, which is where I was going to build my five-year Linux workstation, I'm sitting there working the other day and my Ethernet just drops off. And I realized, oh, yeah, my hardware could fail at me any moment. This, these XPS lines have been incredibly sturdy and reliable. And this feels like a five-year workhorse. I, I, if, I was gonna, if, I could, if I could afford to buy a machine and it was going to be my five-year workstation, this mm-hmm. might be the hardware I'd use because it really feels like it's a reliable, sturdy piece of equipment that if you, if you spec it out nicely, it could last you a really long time. So uh, I've got links in the show notes if you guys are curious about that. 
Uh, and uh, more information about um, configurations and pricing and all that stuff is all listed in the show notes. That's the Linux Action Show's look at the XPS 13 Sputnik with KB Lake. Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Go over to DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code, here's the thing, all one word, like you're slurring it, and get a $10 credit over at the world's simplest, easy-to-use cloud hosting provider. Spin up a rig in a matter of seconds. They have pricing that can do hourly or monthly. Why not get a $5 a month rig, use our promo code, and get it free for two months? Try out something awesome on a Linux machine with a crazy great infrastructure, all SSDs, and a UI that'll blow your mind. Even if you have future vision, you wouldn't have seen something this well designed. Plus, they have a great straightforward API to back it all up, and they have SSDs on every tier. I love it. I love it. And check this out, too. They have a brand new fancy features that really make you look like the next level boss. Load Balancer. You can scale your applications and improve availability for who? The users. That's right. Load Balancers automatically distribute incoming traffic across your infrastructure, managed entirely within the DigitalOcean infrastructure or API. That's so cool. And, Noah, you might like this one. Lots of open source community projects around DigitalOcean's API. Tons of stuff. How about this one? Back up your droplets to Dropbox. Mm-hmm. What? Well, I... Actually, this is reverse. You see what I did there? Yeah. They do actually yeah, have a tutorial, but uh, this is the reverse. You, this, you create a DigitalOcean droplet, and then you set up some block storage if you want, or you can just use the built-in storage on the DigitalOcean droplet. Oh! Yeah, and this backs oh, up your Dropbox to DigitalOcean. Okay, I thought I thought I was getting thrown under the bus there for a second. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, I that was would just be teasing really you. Yeah, I was. I yeah. was teasing you. Yeah. No, here, here, new idea for me. So now we can go, and what you're telling me is AltaSpeed needs to be launching a service called Backup Your Dropbox. Yeah, man. And for X amount of dollars a month, we'll pull yep. all your Dropbox. And when you create your account, good. use the promo code. Here's the thing, and uh, you'll get. You could try out your. You could start charging your clients before you even have to pay a dollar. It's incredible what you could do at DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code. Here's the thing. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. DigitalOcean.com. Promo code. Here's the thing. There is somebody out there doing stunts in the sky. Can you hear them at all? We have a big – you can hear it. You can hear the airplane in the background? Yeah. Yeah. Great, good, 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 good. Glad to hear. I'm glad the day that we're recording multiple episodes, that's when they're having a party out in the sky. And they go crazy out there. This is going, people in Munich are going crazy. And it looks like they're poised to ditch Limux and go back to what? Windows. And Windows 10 at that. Like to put a little extra salt in the wound, they're going to go to Windows 10 by 2021. Uh, basically, what happened is a total failure of leadership, improper support of the IT department, and users who were constantly complaining. And then on the back end, a uh, lobbyist from Microsoft that was pressuring through different means like government and friends and bribery to push people in this direction. That's just my personal take, though, my personal take. Uh, but I am very disappointed to see this announcement because everybody likes to run with this story because it's the original open source poster child. The original Linux switch fails. I hate the spin of this story because what the story should really be is switching platforms is hard, especially when you have vendors that are willing to line your pockets to make you keep using their operating system. Um, kind of disappointed in the switch. But at the same time, I'm really just I desperately want to see this story come to an end. The there's a couple of things. First of all, I think that it's really sad that we have reached a point where we are okay 
with tax dollars who ultimately fund the government from the citizens and they are going to pay for alternatives that will ultimately cost them more money down the road. Additionally, I think that they're, they picked interesting timing to make a switch back to Windows because things are getting easier and easier and easier on Linux. Uh, take, for example, let's say you had a bunch of users that were complaining about LibreOffice and they just didn't like LibreOffice. Well, as of right now, you can go sign up for a 365 subscription. You can use Microsoft Office, supported Microsoft Office with Microsoft support on Linux with no problems. Um, and we've seen G Suite is a drop in replacement for Outlook and Exchange. And so if you had if you had a lot of if you had a lot of people that were really attached to the way they did things inside of Outlook and Exchange, you could you, you could literally there are services that you can drop in and all of these things work flawlessly on Linux. Like and, and that wasn't the case back when Munich originally switched over to Linux. And we, yeah, they switched it was a different era, man. Was and we've dove in and talked about you know the way that they went about it and and the, and the the specific software and the choices that they made and how all could of those you imagine, led to a bad. Could you imagine today deciding to go with something like Limux, like yeah, creating I mean, your own Linux? That would never happen. You would just right. wouldn't do that. No, no, no. It was poorly implemented and and and, and more the most important thing and it, you kind of summed it up and just this is not an example of how anyone that understands the Linux system would go about switching somebody to Linux. Yeah, it was yeah, a. Just, it was a mindset of a previous era that was not mm -hmm. successful. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. This is something that uh, is just kind of a community FYI heads up. The Skype, the old Skype Linux client, the QT1, is likely going to stop working on March 1st. Microsoft sent out a final reminder to old Skype users, and they say that the 4.3 version of Skype will no longer work after March 1st, 2017. You know, they're transitioning to that new Linux client. Uh, we've experimented with it a little bit. Like three weeks ago, we did another episode just as a test. Um, it does do 16 by 9 video now, so that's, that is that's something good. that the QT client was sort of held around for, for by a lot of people because they needed it to do video. Now the new alpha does video, and it actually had a great picture when we tried it. I still thought the audio sounded horrible, and I think what we're on right now, which is Jitsi Meet, is, is, uh, is much better. But uh, if you're on the old Skype, probably for compatibility reasons or whatever, expect things to quit working very soon. So we wanted to get the word out there to you guys. Uh, Skype recently began to roll out video support in the Linux alpha, and uh, as the QT app phases out, I would imagine they'll probably put more and more work into Skype Web and the uh, and the um, I think it's a I think it's an Electron app on Linux. So here's where here's where I, I'm I'm a little confused, or I guess you know very curious of where they're they're going with this. So Microsoft, if they're discontinuing 4.3 for Linux, obviously the assumption would be that, and they have this new alpha, which is not just Linux specific; it's available on all the platforms. Do you think that down the road they're thinking of moving all of Skype to this new Skype Alpha? That is the thinking, I believe, yeah. From what I've kind of been able to put together, that is, this is the new. So Microsoft, it's not just confusing outside, it's confusing inside, too. They have, like, three different Skype client teams or something like that. And behind the scenes, they're starting this new Alpha, and then they're merging everything behind this particular client, I believe is the intention. And so they're consolidating around this Electron app that uses WebRTC to facilitate a lot of the communications. Kind of amazing. So we've talked we've talked about how frustrating it is that oftentimes you can get a very solid connection on two Windows boxes running the traditional Skype client. Do you think that the ability to do that is coming to an end? Yeah, man. The, the funny part about about all of this is Skype over the next year is going to get very competitive on Linux, just as everything else is good enough that you don't need it anymore. So they finally got their act together, and it's too late. Like where you know you have Jitsi Meet. There's lots of other things that people talk about constantly in our chat room that mm -hmm. you could use. It's sort of ironic. It's kind of typical Microsoft, really. 
You know, it's kind of it's like this is a, this is something <laughs> they just did too late. Like if they would have made this move sooner, they could have owned this market. But instead, yeah. a million other a million other things are coming out. Mm-hmm. This is uh, big news for you because you're a gamer. I am. I'll, I'll listen. You have you have a problem with me? Let's fight. Fight at land. Fight mm-hmm. me at land. Right. I'll no scope you one v one. I don't know if this is your speed. I don't know if this is your speed, but a new civilization games out for good hey news slash Liam here from Gaming on Linux. Just going to do a short video today for you. It's the new Asper Media Linux port of Civilization Six port. We've been waiting for for a little while, but it's finally here, and I'm really really excited. I put loads of hours into it already. I plan to put loads more. And it's just a short video just to give you an idea of how it actually runs. I would definitely check out Liam's video. I have it linked in the show notes. It makes the Civ 6 world look so awesome, Noah. Look at the look at look at like how epic this thing looks in scope and how I want to live in this world so much. I've never been a big Civ player, but uh, they do have a sale. Although by the time you hear this, it might be wrapped up, but you get up 25% off. Um, I really like Aspire. I think that's how you're supposed to say their name. <laughs> I really think they've made really good ports. Some of the best ports on Linux have come from Aspire or Aspire. And so uh, Liam, have, Liam has it. What's that? Their friends have ports. Their friends have the best ports. The best ports. Yeah, I talked to really good people over there and uh, some of the best work, some of the best ports. Really good, really good. Uh, yeah, and uh, anyways, you can find Liam's thoughts. This is a big game. This is like one of those, there are people in our audience, Noah, that this is the game for them. You know, we talk about these every now and then. Like, there's obviously most gamers play mini games, but there's some gamers, they play a game. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, Dota, I remember people talking about Dota, how they used to want to play. What's that? Counter-Strike? Yeah, Counter-Strike. Yeah, now it's... Now it could be Civ 6 for another category of users. So that's really interesting. And while we're talking kind of about Steam-related stories, this is obviously, it's available on Steam. That's where the sale's at. This story that wasn't directly related to Steam machines caught my attention and has me concerned a little bit. I've been wondering what the hell's going on with Steam machines. They just seem dead in the water. There's been no progress. Yeah. No announcements from Dell, or from Dell. No announcements from Valve at, uh, at um, CES. But Eurogamer.net has an interview with Gabe and Gabe kind of implies something that concerns me about the future of Steve Machines. So uh, he was talking about VR and how he thinks VR is huge for Valve, and but it just has to be very specific use cases. And he thinks one of the other things that might make VR take off, and they've got, he says they have two games in development for VR. He says, one of the questions you might be asking is, why in the world would you making, be making hardware? Newell continued. What we can do now is we can be designing hardware at the same time we're designing the software. This is something, and he talks about the Nintendo founder, this is something the Nintendo founder always had. He had the ability to think about what the input device is and design a system while he designs the games. Our sense is that this will actually allow us to build a much better entertainment experience for people. Now, what this kind of possibly reads like to me is, we tried, we tried this Steam Machine idea. It was this general platform where everybody's going to go off and build one, and it was not the right approach. What we need to do is the iPhone pixel approach where we build the hardware and the software and we control the entire experience and build a VR game around that. And so we might, maybe they're using SteamOS as the base for this hardware, but it sounds like, it sounds to me like a change in direction. So the way Valve works is very unstructured and whatever project is getting the most organic support by the people in the company is the one that wins. It's not like there's a PMO who says, we're now shifting as as a company our focus on this. That's actually not how Valve works. It's, I want to work on this. Do you want to work on this? Yeah, I want to work on this. All right, let's all come work on this. And a lot of people have left the company and the people remaining 
seem like they would be more in this camp. So I, I, keeping in mind the structure of Valve, it seems very likely that this is the more popular idea and opinion that's won out in the company, is let's build the entire stack and we'll release the Valve VR machine. And I think Steam machines and this whole general platform that Alienware and Dell and HP could release Steam machines is maybe not their focus anymore and they're just not saying anything. Am so I being couple, too afraid, do you think? Am I overthinking yeah, it? I, I, I think, yeah, I think there's there's a couple of points. First of all, I think that I don't know that ne- that necessarily letting them build everything from the ground up and saying, okay, here is X is, is necessarily a bad thing, particularly if they're can if they they're going to put Linux on there and, and have the support and stuff like that. Second of all, I think for Gabe's comment to be true, really we only need to focus on the input device. It doesn't really matter what the actual gaming device I is. I agree. And, and third of all, and, and this is where I think it, it really takes off, is that I don't think Valve, I think Valve tried the community, here we go, here's an idea, now go forth and multiply approach. And I think it flopped mostly because everyone didn't want to buy in. So for example, if you look at Steam machines, everyone was going to make a Steam machine. And then what happened? 80% of them ran Windows. They put Windows on it and installed Steam on it. And it wasn't a Steam machine. It was a crappy Windows box that had the Steam client installed, which wasn't really what Valve wanted, I think, from the beginning. And then they had a couple of the, you know, quote unquote, blessed ones that had, you know, Steam OS. But because everyone was just treating them as they weren't treating them as a council, they were treating them as a computer that was preloaded with Steam on it. And so they didn't get the development of console based games and, and this, that and the other. So I think twisting that approach just a little bit and saying, we'll release SteamOS and hey, Dell, if you want to go out and you want to make something and compete with us, knock yourself out. But here is the console box that's running our software built the way that we want to, to build it. And here are a, a, a list of games or, or developers that we brought on board to build games for this specific system. Now go for it. I don't think that's a bad approach. Yeah, I definitely like the idea of custom building hardware input devices that go with a Steam machine for a specific game. That seems like a real winner. I think, though... They're going to have to get to a point. The problem with VR, really, <clears throat> is the wires. It's They're all over oh, the sure. place. And so oh, yeah. what people are experimenting a lot with is like VR backpacks where the there's like an i7 with a GTX sure. on your back and then like the wires are much shorter. And I mm-hmm. wonder if you had hardware specific to a, to a specific type of game, if you couldn't make that even smaller and make that even more compact and uh, mm-hmm. make the VR experience even simpler, where you put on the helmet, maybe a little computer the size of a nut goes on your back and mm-hmm. some controllers, something like that. I just really hope that they don't abandon the Steam machines. Just I like that as leverage to get more games on desktop Linux. That's really... Mm-hmm. And, but that isn't a good enough incentive for Valve. So I really wonder where they're going with it. But I'd like to hear the audience's thoughts. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. Leave your thoughts in the feedback thread. And if there's a news story you'd like to see us cover this week, drop it in there, too, and we'll try to incorporate it into a future episode. But that's all the news for this week. It's time for the picks, and it's brought to you by... Ting. Go to last.ting.com and save a little money and support the show at last.ting.com. It's mobile that makes sense. No contract, no early termination fee, and you only pay for what you use. $6 for the line and then just your usage on top of that. Average bill for a one line, 23 bucks a month. They have CDMA and GSM to choose from, so you can either bring a device and save a little cash or go pick up a new one. In fact, I got a couple of suggestions. If you just want to make some dang calls and have like a week-long battery life and have good, clear, loud audio, the Kyocera Duro XTP, $63. Now, this one's so cheap, they're going to give you $25 service credit too. This is a workhorse phone. Look at this rubberized texture on the sides, rugged as heck. Look at that screw on the back too. This thing is like legit. 
I kind of want a phone like this. If I could get Telegram messages on this, I would probably go this route. $63 and you only pay for what you use. Now, if you want to get a little bit of fancy phone, but you still want a great deal, look at the LG G5. Look at this thing. $324, no contract, pay for what you use, you own it outright. Or you can bring a device to Ting as well. They got the dual camera lenses on this thing. What's that about? Switch between standard and wide angle cameras. See, cool? This is really cool. Uh, man, there's a lot of good devices. It's great service, great customer service. Check it out at last.ting.com. They're on a mission to finally make mobile make sense, and you can vote with your wallet. Shake up the duopoly at last.ting.com. So, yes, sir. So last week, I damaged my phone, and so I was uh, I purchased a, it's the Moto X Pure. Um, and interesting, like, actually, I, actually I, was, I was looking at another phone that, that they offer from Motorola, and basically what they have is they have, like, widget attachments that go onto the back of this phone. I don't know if you've seen this, but basically, like, they have, like, a full-on yeah, yeah. DSLR camera that, like, you can yes. attach, and you can take that off, you can put a projector on <laughs> yeah. it and, like, project yep. things. Yeah, I've seen the projector, too. Yeah, so that phone was a little more, it was like $499 and I didn't want to spend that much. And so I got the, the Moto XP, I think it was like uh, 200 bucks or 250 bucks or something like unlocked? that. Unlocked? Yep. That's Completely nice, unlocked man. and available at yep. Best Buy. You just drop and, the SIM uh, in there, put it on Ting, you're good to go. Good to that's go. That's exactly what I did. Last.ting.com. Thanks to Ting for sponsoring Linux Action Show. All right, let's start with the picks. Check out this really cool Runs Linux. I don't even know how you found this. I, there's no way I'm going to pronounce this right. The my the May Vizen is it's M A V I Z E N, but that doesn't matter. It's an electric motorcycle that runs Linux and can go 130 horses per hour. Oh my miles per hour! Uh, this is nuts, guys. Look at this sweet sweet rig with a top speed of 130 miles per hour running on top of Linux. Got a little video for you. The TCXGP has been an adventure of a lifetime. It culminated in a single day where we changed history. Pretty awesome music Teams, too. Engineers, riders, spectators, all coming together and making a step and changing the world. 130 miles per hour. It uses USB-based system bus to allow virtually an unlimited number of peripherals to extend the capability of the machine with plug and play. <laughs> it's got, uh, it's got uh, just like uh, it's a race machine, but it's got like all these extra little things that you'd never even think about, like. Uh, the kind of batteries they're in and all this stuff are in the details of this video. So if you're fascinated by it, it's it's worth checking out. I, I was just saying in the pre-show, Noah, I want more of these because this sucker, see, there's, this is not a mainstream product. So it's four, it would cost about 41,000 U.S. greenbacks to build mm -hmm. something like this, which isn't nuts. But, I boy, if you could get something cheaper, an electric bike like this that had good range and good pep, mm -hmm. so, so cool. And it runs Linux, dude. Where did you find this? I don't even... I've that's, never... that's awesome. I, you know, here's the thing. I browse all of these various different sites, and I'm also in all of these different little Telegram groups where we exchange information. Mm -hmm. I think... And what's funny is, this had nothing to do with any of this. I actually think my wife found that. That's great. Yeah, and I think she was like, she's like, this motorcycle runs Linux. She's like, check this out. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, so it, 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 it's not... I guess it's not very well populated inside of the Linux community, but it is very cool nonetheless. I've always had a dream, Noah. I've had a dream for the... For about two days after I bought Lady Jupes, and that was I would love, love, love to be able to tow an electric vehicle and have the wheels spinning and the braking charge the battery, or oh yeah, oh for sure, or be able to plug it into Lady Jupes since Lady Jupes has is is generating 
electricity. You know, what would be, you know what would be interesting, and I don't know exactly how this works, but it would be interesting that if there was, if somebody could do some sort of calculation, what is the what is the loss and stuff like that? If you're the weight of the vehicle getting towed, and then as the wheels are spinning, if it if that were to power like a, a magnet inside of a coil, yeah, is that an efficient way to generate electricity, or would you be better off just getting it totally off the ground? And then it's got to be know, better than nothing. It. It's got to be better than nothing. It's got to be. If you're towing it anyways, if you're already going to be towing it, yeah. Or just let me plug in, like let me plug it in yeah. while I'm driving. I, but I'll, oh, but I, you know, a bike like this would be really doable. Just got to yeah. get it down by about forty thousand dollars, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should just get a bike, <laughs> just a regular old bike. No uh, I, I have no May Vizen. That's a great name. It's the TTX02 electric motorcycle that runs Linux, and it's a neat. Sports bike. Gosh, I want one of those. Yeah, and then you just gotta you gotta install your updates. I sent Noah a picture last night. I was uh, out. I have a Lady Jeeps has a t- television built on the outside of her, and I'm outside mm-hmm. at my campsite, and it's waiting for an update for my Chromecast. I'm like, okay, so now I'm updating my RV's television. This is this is 2000. You wished for this. This is your fault. I know you wanted this to happen. I need less distractions. Yeah, That's what I need. And then he has the audacity to say, I'm out camping at the campfire watching TV. And I'm like, you're not, you're not, you're not camping. That's not camping. Don't, you're gonna, you, you're, don't be an anti-campite. It's a campsite. That's what they call it. It's their terminology. I don't call it that. Okay. If you got a campfire and you're lighting yeah. that fire and you're at a campsite, yeah. uh-huh. it's a camp. And you, got plasma, and you got your plasma and your internet connection and it's your LCD. And your Get it right. And your full-size refrigerator and your stove and you, Oh my gosh, Chris! Let's talk about uh, let's talk about. <laughs> I need less. I see. I tried to make this segue five minutes ago. I need less distractions in my life. That's really the problem, Noah. Perhaps you can help me with today's desktop app pick. <laughs> so one of the things that I do all the time is I'm copying a file or I'm waiting for something to finish inside of the terminal. And the problem is I have to wait and I have to keep watching that terminal to see what's happening. Yeah. I, you know, really, what I've done, my answer to that up until this point has been quick. I just I, I tap on that uh, on that uh, you know whatever the tilde key and pull down the thing. Nope, not done. Put it back up. Go. Back I just forget about it is what I do. I just forget about it. That's that's not good because then you get clients that are pissed. So undistract me is a project that basically notifies you when a long running terminal process or command has been complete. And so if you, let's say you're DDing a, uh, a an ISO onto oh yeah man you'll a, yeah you get a notification when when that finishes. Um, so I, just playing with it just for a little bit and it is phenomenal. It's going to quickly become one of the first things that I install. You know, so. you know, the uh, fine folks at Fedora, I think, include this extension with their GNOME implementation, and Elementary OS I, does something with their desktop as well. Excellent. Yeah. That's so, very cool. So un, undistract-me, uh, mm-hmm. it's on GitHub, we'll have a link in the show notes, and uh, there's a PPA available for uh, you uh, Ubuntu-loving users. I'm willing to bet, should we just take a, a wild guess, should we see if it's in the AUR? I'm willing to bet. Mm. Really? You don't think so? Mm. Just kidding. Oh, really? (laughs) That's good, dude. That's good. Actually, not in the AUR. Survey says survey says no. Survey says Okay, all right, fine. Just search undistract. I don't believe it. Really? Yeah, I don't believe it. Somebody I know that is weird, right? Maybe they didn't put the dash. Maybe maybe it'll be fixed by the time we're uh we're done. That's that can't be right. I don't I I think we're doing something wrong then. Yeah, yeah. I don't buy it. Okay. I don't buy it. All right, all All right. right. Good. So let me ask you something, Chris. Sir, yes, sir. Are you sick? Are you sick of your Linux distribution breaking and your workflow uh, being interrupted after an update? I just can't handle it, Noah. Are you, uh, are you, would you wish there was an easy way that you could just roll back or drop in a configuration file and all of the way that you've set up your desktop? Noah, be persistent? I want to just set it and forget it. 
Well, let me introduce you to NixOS. This is our distro pick of the week. And basically what NixOS does is it makes it easy to save uh, and restore your config file. And that basically the entire config of the entire system is one gigantic configuration file. Yeah, this is it allows, nuts. It allows you to rebuild in almost no time and it virtually never breaks your machines because you can always roll the system back. And I have a good friend that runs actually on a, he has a gigantic Ceph cluster running on in dedicated boxes that he has in a data center. And uh, and then he actually maintains and builds packages on on these machines for NixOS. Of course, the machines themselves are running NixOS. So it is a it is a very different approach to Linux. It is definitely, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, I'm going to say it anyway, it's a boutique distribution, and it is tailored towards a specific set of users. But if you're the kind of person that wants, uh, that you want to, you want to build your Linux distribution the way that you want it, you want the software that you want and exactly how you want it, and you need the ability to take that particular thing, like once you get it tweaked, and then blow it all over the place to a bunch of different machines. Yeah. Nixos, baby. Nixos. Uh, yo, that'd be, that'd be, I just, if, I wonder if your friend would be up for it. That'd be such a cool way to do a review of a distro is to go review it in an infrastructure environment like that and yeah. actually get, you know, see it in production and review that. That would be such mm -hmm. a cool segment. Yeah, so it also uses, surprise, surprise, the Nix package manager, which they say is a completely declarative package manager, which is their approach to configuration management too, which makes upgrades reliable as, as well as many other features. So it's, Interesting, this more and more of these, Noah, are really going after the DevOps, sysadmin kind of like big infrastructure. There's a lot of people going for that from the from like the XPSN on the laptops to NixOS and others. I hear a lot of good things about NixOS. I'm really glad we made this one of our distribution picks. And they, uh, they've been around now for a little while too. So it seems to be they're getting some traction. Check them out at nixos.org. That's N-I-X-O-S.org, or you'll find a link in the show notes. Also check out jupiterbroadcasting.com slash lastpicks, L-A-S picks, for all our previous desktops and distros and even Android apps are all listed out there. From time to time, they get updated by producer Michael, so it's a nice up-to-date list, which is always handy if you're deploying a new Linux box. All right, that's all the picks for this week. Let's get to your emails. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. Before we get into your emails, and oh, there are some emails this week, I want to thank System76 for sponsoring this segment. System76.com, go over there and find yourself a rig built for Linux supported and runs damn easy with just about any distribution you pick. That's the real secret. They run them with Ubuntu out of the out of the box. They give great support for that. It's the perfect experience if you want a trouble-free machine, go that route. If you want to experiment with other distributions, OpenSUSE, Fedora, Arch, man, I've had no problem running them on different System76 computers over the years. That's what I really like about it is they really, really obsess over little small details that you might not even consider they spend a world of time thinking about to make it easy out of the box. And then they have systems like the frickin' Oryx Pro. You can get a GTX 10 series 15 or 17 inch with a matte display if you like, which that's the way I'm going these days. IPS display and up to 64 gigabytes of RAM in a laptop. Wow. Also, if you're already a System76 customer and just want to give a, just want to help us out and uh, tell them that Noah switched you to Linux, they also sell swag. You can go to System76 and grab yourself a shirt. They have some really cool designs. I really, really like that hoodie there. System76.com slash swag if you want to take a look at that. And when you check out whatever you're getting, tell them that Noah switched it to Linux 
So that way we get another check in our column. System76.com. All right, Mr. Noel, I'm going to take on this first email here that comes in from Dana. And it says uh, he's talking about or she's talking about mirrored hard drives. Greeting, guys. After a recent ad on my computer that was running Windows 10... <laughs> <laughs> I had just enough. I Wow. I currently have Linux installed on a 500-gigabyte hard drive, and Windows 10 still exists on a 1-terabyte boot drive with Reefs, REFS mirrored for media on 2-terabyte drives. I like to mirror the 2-terabyte drives for the media and perhaps move my home directory over to the 1-terabyte drive with no software RAID, and I was thinking about maybe using ZFS. I'm running Anteragos on my desktop and laptop, so I'd appreciate any pointers since last time I tried ZFS. With Entergos, a kernel update trashed things. Yeah, we've run into that bug here at the studio, too. And I think it may not be fixed yet, either. Uh, Rika, I would know. Um, the bug is essentially that uh, I think it builds the kernel image for boot before the ZFS update is installed. So the version of the kernel that I think is loaded doesn't support using ZFS for your root file system. So you have to rebuild the kernel and... Anyway, I think that was – I can't remember. Essentially, the bug is just in the order of execution of the packages getting installed. And so I think there's a little debate if it's actually a bug or not. And so it persists. Uh, anyways, uh, she goes on. I'm running Entergos on my desktop and laptop, so I'd appreciate any pointers. I'm familiar with ZFS somewhat, but only under BSD. And I've been running Linux on and off since even before version 1.0 of Linux. By the way, I'd like this to be a stable running system. Thanks for all the shows. You guys rock. So what do you think, Noah? I, the concept is uh, is a mirror drive for, like, your home or your root necessary for it to be a stable system? Or do you think you could get away with, like, snapshots and stuff? Um, so first of all, I'll start off by saying this. Mirrored is not backing up. That is not a backup solution. And so if that's your plan, if that's your crash plan, so to speak, it just stop. You need a new backup solution to begin with. Yep. Having said that, there are some ways that you can increase system reliability. It helps reliability, first, right. It, yeah, it's not about right. backup. Yep. But I just there's going to be somebody out there that's going to say, well, this is, why is she backing up that? The the way that I have gone about doing this is actually not with ZFS, although you could do that. I have actually tackled this exact problem using LVM, and so I add them all to a volume group and and then spread that out over those over those two drives. Let them configure them to to back up to each other. And that way, if one goes out, I just drop that out of the volume group and put a new drive back into the volume group and then let it re. I guess it's not resilvering it with LVM, but rejigger itself back into the array that's a great that's a that's a really great tried and true way to do it uh lots of big deployments do lvm snapshots you know i was reading about uh GitLab's recent server issues and they actually the, the lvm snapshots failed them but not because they're lvm snapshots it was just because of how they have them scheduled but mm -hmm. really large deployments are using lvm and the nice thing about that is then the, the file system could be as simple as extended four if you want tried true reliable bulletproof extended four Mm -hmm. um, however, in this case, Dana, since you have ZFS experience, uh, I say go for it. I just would definitely test on Anagros. There's dis the discussion is taking place in the chat right now. Everybody's saying, yeah, when I tried Anagros, I've had issues after updates. So I would run a test machine first. Otherwise, if you're stuck on ZFS, definitely consider maybe 16.04 with the ZFS support that's available because the, the way they do that is... They package the ZFS code at the same time they package the kernel and they ship it all as a package. So it's not you're not going to have the problem you have in Anacros. I like Noah's idea better, though. Um, because you're not dealing with large sets of drives, you're dealing with single terabyte and two terabyte drives, two, two terabyte drives, uh, I think ZFS is overdoing it. 
for what you get. You're not going to really gain anything in the performance area. There's more memory overhead. What you'd be really getting out of ZFS would be data checksums. Uh, you could use compression. That would be a big reason to use ZFS is to use the compression. But a lot of the other features, you could get you could get ZFS send and receive, which makes future machine migrations easier. So there's still some definite advantages to ZFS in the setup. But I would make sure you have enough memory, and I would I would definitely consider Noah's approach on this setup. If you had a if you had more drives. Um, then I would probably change that. But with your setup, I would maybe consider something simpler. And the nice thing about that is that's how Linux has been doing it now for so long that there's a ton of guides and documentation. And I mentioned that because if you get stuck, you know, something screws up, your machine won't boot, it's super nice to be able to go to something that's tried and true and well-established in the community because when you're kind of in that, oh, my God, i got to recover mode, it helps mm -hmm. get to the resolution faster. Absolutely. That's all right. So there's now Jim B. You want to take that? Yeah. Jim B. writes in and he says ThinkPads now shipping with Linux. The ThinkPad P51, P50, or I'm part, sorry, the P51S, the P51, and the P71 have been announced with options for Linux pre installed. Guessing you probably saw this, but now Linux is a pre installed option. And then he gives a link to how Lenovo is now selling a line of laptops with Linux. And I think this is particularly poignant for a couple of reasons. One is because we are seeing a lot of people leave the Apple infrastructure and going to places like Dell and System76, and now Lenovo's going to compete in that structure. But also, because Le Lenovo really has, like, we have, some of us like them, some of us hate them, but the reality is that they have been a staple in the Linux community. They have been a refuge for people to go to to install Linux on that uh, since before there were companies that specialized in making Linux hardware. And there's there are those of us that have owned a lot of ThinkPads and had, you know, excellent experiences with Linux on it. So it's kind of nice that, you know, it took them 25 years, but it's nice that eventually now the ThinkPad line is going to officially recognize that there are a, a, a set of people so, that use Linux on their computer. So this is the P51 here. <clears throat> Damn, this thing looks like a monster. So I guess the P must stand for power. The P is their uh, is their mobile workstation lineup. So this one isn't available yet, but uh, it has Xeon processors in the son of a gun, which is kind of amazing. Mm. But where do you see anything on here about uh, GNU slash Linux? I don't see anything about. Oh, dude, it's got a docking. It's got a docking. Yeah, all the ThinkPads do. I think it was on his. Are you at the link that he sent or Lenovo site? Oh, I went. To, I just went to Lenovo site. Yeah. Yeah, I so, think he okay. has. A, I think in the link is is he has uh, it, it it has a discussion about how they're they're going to get Linux on. I'm, what I want to see. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh! Uh, full screen pop up. What I want to see is I go to Lenovo.com or whatever, whatever their website is, and I when I'm just configuring this machine, I just want to see Linux as a drop down. So it says in April for fourteen hundred dollars, you'll be able to get your hands on the ThinkPad P51 uh, with a Xeon E3 V6 processor, Nvidia Quadro graphics, and up to sixty four gigabytes of RAM, which will come with uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux or Ubuntu Linus OS. <laughs> Instead of what is that? Yeah, right there on the page, Linus OS. <laughs> <clears throat> that might not be Lenovo's language, though. That might be the uh, on MSFT.com. Yeah, but the P71 will be a, a 17-inch version with NVIDIA Quadro graphics, also available in April. You know what's fascinating about these? What might be even a bigger story than the fact that they're going to have a Linux version is they still have a freaking Windows 7 version. You can get Windows 7 on these things. That does not surprise me. Really, Del though? I no, mean, here's the thing. All I of thought the Microsoft put the kibosh on that for somehow. Nah, here's the, we, I have so many clients that are still buying Dell machines and will buy directly from Dell because they can get it still with Windows 7. I mean, that, that, there's, there has not been a huge migration to Windows 10. There's a lot of people that are digging their feet. Tell that in, to Munich. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, they're they're gonna. They're, <laughs> Munich needs the, Cortana, man. They need Cortana. Really? Listen, listen. They, I mean, they can do whatever they want, but but they are they are literally picking the most the most diverse operating like divisive operating system there is because there is there are still half the manufacturers still are not supporting windows 10 there's still drivers that don't exist for windows 10 software that doesn't work on windows 10 and then on the other hand you have places that have discontinued support for windows 7 so like yeah. the 7 and 10 thing that is a mess i just i would not I know, want so I know. good luck to munich good you know you. i'm looking at this uh i'm looking at this p uh 51 Mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of speaking my language with this large screen and this. I don't need Quadro or Xeon though. That's just a waste of money from what I do. That is a waste. Mm -hmm. But if they put uh, something here with an i7 and a GTX 10 series, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they are definitely laptops for people that want to get work done. That's for sure. Man, that looks right? like a it's, serious it's workhorse. That's uh, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So who was that that sent that in there? Thanks, Jim. Yeah, taking a look at that. I guess did you, have you? Do you watch Lenovo closely like that? Did you already know about these machines, or was that news to you too? I knew that Lenovo was refreshing their lineup, as I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I am dumping my 260 to buy the 270 that has USB-C. I'm very excited. Yes, but other than that, I want all USB-C everywhere. I don't have many devices. I have a couple, and I'm just ready for it to take over everywhere. Speaking of things that take over, Twitter took over the way people get a hold of me. Twitter.com/slash/chrislas is how you contact me. What about you, Mr. Noah? At Colonel Linux, just like it says right oh, there. It's very convenient, except for the audio audience, Noah. What about the company? Oh, Can I follow the Alta Speed on the Twitter? Linux. Yeah, at, we're at Alta Speed, and uh, as as I as I had a blunder last week, uh, I don't personally tweet there, but I, I try to stay tangentially aware, and I am in contact with the social <laughs> media team, and so a lot of the pictures and stuff that come is stuff that I took personally out, but. Uh, <laughs> I can't hear you through all that digging, though. Yeah, I, I know. I know. It's getting worse. I just <laughs> stop on my head. Yeah, man, totally. Uh, find out when we're live at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar because it's been a little funky recently. And follow me on my video adventures at youtube.com slash Chris Fisher. That's my personal channel. See some behind-the-scenes shenanigans and all that kind of stuff there. And last but not least, submit your content to our subreddit, linuxactionshow.reddit.com, and get your email in here at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact emails directly linux action show at jupiterbroadcasting.com all right everybody thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the linux action show and we'll see you right back here next week you know what i want to do is i want to light something on fire I just feel like that'd be fun i feel like that'd be a great way to start the show is just light something on fire but it would make a big it'd be like a big stink you know it just make a big stink good depends on what you light on fire yeah yeah Wait a minute, you went to Applebee's last week, man? What the hell? How'd you know that? How'd you know that? <laughs> Wait. What? Like, I don't follow you constantly? Come on. I like how perplexed you are. That's funny. Well, no, because I actually was at Applebee's last week. I know. Not me, you. I say the same thing. No, you don't. Hey, it's the news. Oh. Okay. Wait, you don't say ting? Oh, no. I guess I say ting. Yeah, so don't say ting. Hey, no, quit screwing around. Okay, all right.